Dave and Ryan's movie review and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in. The final show of the year, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. Just fabulous. We made it to the last week in 2023. And, you know, we were going through and and looking at some of the movies that we've reviewed this last year, and we saw a lot of movies. We did. We did. We have seen a lot. So we're going to talk about some of them. But before we get anywhere today, we got to go to Hollywood. Do we have to? Yes. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, the place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right. So my question to you is, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, was it that bad? Because here I have some, I have some facts. Oh, fun fact right. number one. Warner Brother DC's Aquaman The Lost Kingdom hit the high end of the pre-weekend predictions overseas, okay, mm-hmm. with $80.1 million from 73 markets. The James Wan-directed sequel is at an estimated $107.7 million through Sunday worldwide. This was last Sunday, of course. And with Monday's domestic estimate, will hit $120.1 million. So despite the rough ride from critics, the holiday entry is the number one film of the weekend internationally and globally. And in offshore markets, it ranked as the top Hollywood title in 53 of 73 countries. It was a good movie. It wasn't a bad movie. Like I said, I think I think that a lot of people are pre-reading this press on movies and they just yeah. don't go. Yeah. They're like, well, if it's bad, like we've said, if it's bad... I'll just watch it when it get, when it comes out mm-hmm. and sit at home and wait for it. So it wasn't a bad movie. It's out there now. Go see it. Yeah. If Go you like Momoa. Momoa. He doesn't take his shirt off, though. He doesn't. But if you like Momoa, it's all right. Yeah. Okay. Coming up, uh, how would you like to live that Home Alone life? I'm Here, good. Here's I your chance. Now. <laughs> you can be Home Alone 2 if you buy the Home Alone 2 townhouse. Now, the Lux townhouse was that was featured in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, is on sale for a mere $6.7 million. Well, that's it. That's, that's a it. steal. Located on Manhattan's ritzy Upper West Side at 51st West and 95th Street between Central Park West and Columbus Avenue, four-bedroom and four-and-a-half-bath home is where Kevin outsmarted the Sticky Bandits in the classic holiday film. So if you got $6.7 million just laying around yeah. and you're looking for a second home in New York City, why wouldn't you do yeah, that? why not? <laughs> I'll call my realtor today. Uh, Parasite actor, this is a sad story. Parasite actor Lee Soon Kyun, who starred in the Best Picture Oscar winning film Parasite, has died according to multiple wire reports after going missing in Seoul, South Korea. He was 48 years old. Uh, South Korea's emergency office confirmed the news to the Associated Press Wednesday, and authorities had been searching for the actor after his family reported finding a message akin to basically a suicide note. 
and uh, South Korean media reported that Lee was found dead in his car at a Seoul park. Now, he had been arrested and was under investigation after drug use and allegations amid an ongoing crackdown of illegal drugs by the South Korean government. Um, He starred in as the wealthy architect whose family lives a seemingly charmed life in Parasite. Did you ever see that one? I didn't see it all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces. Kind of an interesting movie. Yeah. A little bit of keeping up with the Joneses and doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, sad news there as uh, Parasite actor Lee Soon Kyun was found dead on Wednesday. All right, the box office. And this is for a long weekend, December 22nd through Christmas Eve. Uh, number five was a movie called Salar. Never heard of that one. $5.4 million. Anyone huh. But You, that's the Sydney uh, Sweeney movie, $6 million. Migration, the movie we're going to talk about today, put in 12.4. Wonka, 18, which bring its total to 75 and a half. And then Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, $27.2 million. So Aquaman. not bad. Not bad. Uh, this is your year-end numbers. I know you always are interested about this. And I've got domestic and then worldwide as well. Uh, number five was Oppenheimer. Now, domestically, it made $326 million. That landed it at number five domestically. But worldwide, it was $95.2 million, and that was good enough for third. Okay? So you'll have to follow me on that one. You have a B on I know. I wanted it to be B, but it wasn't. Okay? okay. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, $358.9 million. So four in the United States, $845.5 million. That brings it to four worldwide. See how that one worked yeah, that out? That was a good movie. That I'm was a good movie. Jordan hated it. That was a good movie. Uh, number three, this one kind of caught me off guard. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, domestically, $381.3 million. And worldwide, it was $690.5 million, which took it to number six. And then number two, the Super Mario Brothers movie, $574.9 million domestically, $1.3 billion worldwide, landed it at number two. And any guesses on what number one was? Um, is she living in a world? She is. She is a Barbie girl living in a Barbie world. And it's we're fantastic. Just, we're just part of it. Uh, $636.2 million domestically and worldwide. $1.4 billion for the biggest movie of 2023, Barbie. Of course. That was an okay movie. Yeah, it was, a gr- it was a really good movie. Really good movie. All right. So you know today, what's not on there? The Flash. I was going to say The Oath, but... That one, too. Well, I need to tell everybody, <laughs> Ryan has some new hardware hanging I up in his office. I hate you so much, Dave. The Oath poster finally came in, so I got that for him and, and got it hung yeah, up Yeah, I come walking morning. in and go to my office, and it's right there... On my door. And then one inside my office, too, hanging on the wall. You can never have enough oath posters. (laughs) Got to be surrounded on all sides. All right, today we're going to talk about a movie that was better than The Oath, and that was Migration. This was a fun movie. It was a good movie to go see. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, New Year's movies. Ryan's going to talk about New Year's Eve, and I'm going to talk about Four Rooms. And then we're going to get to our top movies of the year. All right, but before we do that, we got to get an honest movie review. Welcome back for another Honest Movie Review. Today, we go back to 2010 for the American romantic comedy film, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. It comes every year whether you like it or not. Everybody's gonna love today, gonna love today, gonna love today. It's the day when your love life is put on display, where there's always a chance for romance or disaster. 
I view Valentine's Day as being a first date movie. If your date likes it, do not date that person again. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. So along with the holiday theme, I thought that it would be good to, you know, do Valentine's Day. And yeah, this was not a good movie. It was such a bad movie. I didn't even waste time watching it. Really? The trailer they're, they're, said it all for me. You've seen Thanks Killing. I and have. you didn't watch this one? I have. Yes. And I did not watch this movie. Wow. Yep. So we're going to go from there. I'm going to buy it for you on DVD. Thank you so much. I would really appreciate it. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> Isn't she in that one? Sure. Why not? Okay. All right. I'll CGI her in. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Coming up, we're going to talk migration. So stick around. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one. Action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it. So you're the first to hear about it. All right. So we went and saw Migration this week. And I'm going to tell you what. I liked this movie. Yeah, it was a good one. It was, it was, a it was good, definitely a good kids movie. It is a good family movie, especially for the holidays. All right. Uh, Migration is rated PG. It's going to set you back an hour and 23 minutes. That does not include the cool little short that's yes. at the beginning of it called Mooned. Yep. And it's about Vector from the Despicable Me movies. That's a great, great little short there at the beginning. Uh, it stars Kumal Nanjani, Elizabeth Banks, Danny DeVito, Keegan-Michael Key, Aquafina, and uh, Carol Kane. Is there enough <laughs> great things to say about Carol Kane? I think you need to calm down. I, I probably <laughs> do. Uh, it has to deal with a family of ducks. They try to convince their overprotective father, played by Kumal Nanjani, to go on the vacation of a lifetime. So uh, it starts out, they all live in this little small pond, and they have these ducks that are migrating that hop in there and, and rest for a moment at their pond, and they're headed to Jamaica. Yep. So they should. They tell them, you should come with us. We do it every year. You should come with us. Let's go south and enjoy Jamaica with us. So, of course, everybody but the dad wants to go. And he thinks that if they just stay where they are, everybody will be safe. Everybody will be protected. They've got a good thing going where they're at right now. And that, of course, does not work. Yeah. He, yeah. Bad things happen. <laughs> that's when you're well, that's when he is in, you're you as a as an audience member are introduced to their crazy Uncle Dan. Yes. Played by Danny DeVito. Yes. Uncle Dan's my spirit animal now. <laughs> Uncle Dan is basically Danny DeVito if he was a duck. Yeah. And he tells them, you know, yeah, you should just stay here and you can be like me alone. <laughs> and so he decides that, nope, that's not good enough. So they go, they talk Uncle Dan into going with them. And I assume we talked about it last night. Uh, I, I'm guessing they're in Canada when they leave. Yeah, it would make sense. Or if not Canada, then somewhere maybe in Massachusetts. Somewhere in that area. But anyway, as they're flying, one of the first big obstacles that happens is uh, they run into a huge, thick fog in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> and they get lost. And they have a run-in with a uh, flock of pigeons, I guess we should say. Yeah, well, I would say more of like a... Gang of pigeons? A gang, yeah, they're more of a gang. And their gang leader is Aquafina, yeah. who plays Chump. 
Would you call me? Exactly. <laughs> you got to go see this movie with her in it. It's great. Um, and so Aquafina uh, talks to them and decides that she's going to help them find their way. And they have to go and bust out this parrot played by Keegan Michael Key, who is trapped in a birdcage. And that's when really, I would say, the, the movie kind of picks up. Yeah, that's when you're introduced to the villain. The villain of the movie, who never says a word, Yeah, by the way. Um, but anyway, he get they get him out of the cage. Uh, he knows the way to Jamaica because he's from there. Yep. And so he decides that to thank them for letting him out, he's going to take them to Jamaica. But the uh, villain in the movie kind of follows them. Yeah. It's- Not on purpose. It's really funny. They meet up with that when they meet, when they met up with the farm. Oh yeah, the, I thought the, it was a cult. I thought it was. I was gonna say the duck. You mean the duck cult? I, I thought it was gonna be a cult, but it, it turned out that it was actually a duck farm where the chef, the villain, goes and gets all of his poultry from. Yeah. So it just kind of ensues from there. They do make it to Jamaica. Not gonna spoil it for you, but uh, it's it's just it was a fun movie. There was when we went and saw this, you know, we don't go to the movie very often with other people. Yeah. It's usually just Ryan and I in a dark theater watching a movie and that way we can talk about the movie while we're while we're watching it. But we went with a theater full of people and the kids that were there had a they were having a great time. Yeah. It was a lot of fun for the whole family. I think the timing of when this movie was released hit perfectly because you had all of those kids going and seeing this movie. And uh, it's a great family film just for the holidays. It really is. Yeah, well, it's, I think, one of the only kids' movie that's out right now. It really, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, but at, after all was said and done on this one, and we went and saw this and kind of processed it all, I had to give this one three and a half out of five popcorn buckets because it was a fun time at the movie theaters. Yeah, I would have to agree. I, I gave it the same score. And it was just a good time to get out. And like I said, this time of year, the kids are out of school. Take the kids, take the whole family, and, and go see this movie, Migration. It was it was a lot of fun. It was. We had a quacking good time. We had a ah! quacking good time. There you have see it. See what I did there? And, you know, he after... At the end of the movie, they decide they're going to help another flock of birds home. Yeah. And, uh, oof. It's going to be cold. Yeah. That's really all I can say. So go see Migration. It was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. And uh, take the whole family and enjoy this family film at the holidays. All right. Coming up, speaking of holidays, New Year's is right around the corner. Yes, it is. And we got to talk about two movies that are complete and total opposites of each other. Yeah. But they both take place on New Year's Eve when we come back. Hey, idiots. We're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. Welcome back into Dave and Ryan's movie review. And as I was saying, now with the holiday just right around the corner, New Year's is right around the corner. Uh, we thought we would pick a couple of movies that deal with New Year's Eve and New Year's and kind of give you our, you know, maybe maybe you've seen them, maybe you haven't, and we're going to tell you about them right now. Ryan's going to kick us off, and you're going to talk about New Year's Eve. So take it away. Yeah, so this movie came out in 2011. It's rated PG-13. Uh, it's directed by the late Gary Marshall, which uh, you might know him from some of his other movies he's directed. He directed Overboard. 
Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, The Princess Diaries One and Two. You also might know him from some of his acting roles in A League of Their Own, A League of Their Own, and Hocus Pocus. But this this movie is just jam packed with stars. I mean, like if whoever was in New York at the time. Let's throw him in the movie. That that seems to be the theme of this of this uh, overall cast because it stars Sarah Jessica Parker, Jessica Bill, Ashton Kutcher, Michelle Pfeiffer, Zac Efron, Robert De Niro, Halle Berry, Josh Duhamel, Seth Meyers, Sarah Paulson, Till Swigginger, uh Catherine Hegel, John Bon Jovi, Sophia Verga, uh, Leah Michelle, uh, Jim Belushi. Common, Abigail Burslin, Hillary Swink, Ludacris, and Matthew Broderick. I was going to ask you if you needed an intermission between. <laughs> that's that's that only half off. the cast. I, I, you know, and it's it's one of those movies too. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a love actually because they're all kind of intertwined, but there are all these yeah, basically so, so similar all the, all stories. All the stories, well, most of the stories revolve around a party that's going on, a New Year's. Um, so, uh, like you said, there's there's a few different stories going on. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker's looking for her, for her child, who's a teenager, and she wants to be rebellious and go hang out with her uh, teenage friends. Um, also, uh, Jessica Bill's character is and uh, Till Swigan and uh, they're they're um, Jessica Bill's pregnant along with um, uh, what? Where does her name go? Well, she's pregnant, and basically they're having a competition. Um, because uh, at the hospital, whoever has the the first baby of the new year wins like this money, and so they're in a competition there. Hillary Swank's character is uh, the leader of the uh, basically the uh, Times Square Alliance. So they they the ones who drop the ball in New Year's, and um, a light goes out in the ball, and so it's it's not working. And so they have to call on a specialist to come and help with that. So, so is that one of those, if one goes out, they all go out scenarios? Yeah, they actually talk about that in the movie. <laughs> the guy who got who they called in, he was like, I brung this up, and then you fire me. <laughs> but and then, uh, you know, you got um, Catherine Heigl's character. Uh, she uh, used to date bon, John Bon Jovi. Um, uh, I can't remember, remember his name. Oh, Jensen, I think his name was Jensen in the movie. And uh, I guess he kind of abandoned her or cheated on her or something like that. But it's kind of like their get back together story. Uh, and uh, Josh, um, he is at a friend's wedding who's getting married that day. And then he's traveling back to New York because his uh, company that he runs is how is the one who's holding the New Year's party. It, it was his it's his family's company. Uh, and he's wearing his father's tuxedo because uh, his father is no longer with him. And basically, he it's kind of like a love story with him because uh, last New Year's, uh, he met a girl uh, because he, he couldn't handle the party more, so he had to step out for a minute. And he met he met a girl, and that turned out to be uh, Sarah uh, blah, blah, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, um, who after she you know runs into her kid, you know decides to let her be free, and so she goes and meets. Up with him, and you know this is overall really good movie. Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer, their story is hilarious. Michelle Pfeiffer plays kind of like this timid uh, woman who really hasn't done a whole lot, so she comes up with this list after she quits her job. And uh, Zac Efron is a he's a like a, a courier, a bike courier. So she hires him to help her with this list. And for doing so, she will give him two tickets to the biggest party in New York. And so he agrees to do that. And then uh, during their little adventure, he kind of 
makes fun of her, and so they go their separate ways for a little bit. But then he comes back, and uh, overall, honestly, this is one of my favorite, if not the favorite, New Year's Eve movie. Wow. I know Four Rooms is good, but I'm going to have to go with Well, there's one. a lot that goes on in New Year's Eve. Yeah. A lot. And so I, I, I'm going to have to sit and watch it. Maybe I'll watch it on New Year's Eve. Do it. Maybe I should. Do it tonight. Okay. I'll do it. You only have one more day. Just for you. Just for you. Do it. All right. So anything else you wanted to add about that one? Um, go, go watch it. I know. Oh, oh the Aston Kutcher story, too. Uh, like, there's just so many st- stories going on in this movie. Watch it. Love it. That's it. Yeah. Watch okay. it. Love it. All right. So uh, mine is Four Rooms, and this movie came out in 1995. It is rated R. Of course. It's an hour and 38 minutes long. And the thing about this one is it's four different stories that are all interlocking because they take place at the same hotel. In four different rooms? In four different rooms. (laughs) They should have called the movie that and never thought of it. Uh, The first story that we hear and see is called The Missing Ingredient. And the great thing about this, you had four different directors. And every director wrote the thing the part of the movie that they directed okay okay so uh the missing ingredient was directed and written by allison anders it's the story of a witch's coven that is creating a spell that will release their goddess diana okay Ooh. this one stars uh madonna ioni sky valeria galino and alicia witt and um Tim Roth plays Ted the Bellhop, and he <laughs> he interlopes in all four stories, and he is great in this whole movie. And in The Missing Ingredient, one thing they need for their final spell, and let me put this delicately, it's something only a man can give them. Mm. So I'll, I'll, I'll let your imagination run wild from there. But it, it's really great. They... Uh, get everything taken care of, and they release Diana at the end of that little story, little vignette there. Uh, Next one up is called The Wrong Man, and this one's pretty funny. I don't know if you remember this one. Uh, A man calls Ted the Bellhop, and he goes to room 404. The man drags him into a marital crisis because he thinks that Ted is having an affair with his wife, played by Jennifer Beals. (laughs) And that turns out that it is... Ted's not the right guy. He's the wrong man. And uh, the other guy, the correct guy shows up at the end of this. And while they're all three arguing, Ted kind of hightails it out of there. That one was written and directed by Alexander Rockwell. Uh, One of my favorites, The Misbehaviors. And this was written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. It stars Antonio Banderas as the father. And him and his wife are going to go out for New Year's Eve. And he gives Ted $500 to just keep an extra eye on his two kids because they are terrible. Uh, Ted goes in one time. He instructs them to stay in their room. When he leaves and comes back, there's an exploding uh, champagne bottle. They call Ted for toothbrushes. He tries to put them in bed. He leaves. He's summoned back to the room. Uh, a painting has been turned into a dartboard with lipstick and syringe. The sun is smoking. The little girl has a bottle of liquor. The television is on an adult channel. And they have found a dead prostitute in the box spring of the mattress. Oh, sounds like <laughs> a good time. Uh, the, the daughter stabs Ted in the leg with a syringe because he keeps calling the prostitute um, not a very nice word. 
and then the sun accidentally steps starts the room on fire when Antonio Banderas comes in carrying his passed out wife he looks at Ted and said did they misbehave <laughs> and that's how that part of the movie ends uh, the sprinkler system activates while everybody just stands there <laughs> so that that's one of my favorites after those three little things Ted decides he's going to call his boss Kathy Griffin and quit and Marissa Tomei is there as well. And she works with Ted. But Kathy, Kathy Griffin is the manager of the hotel. And while he's talking to Kathy Griffin on the phone and trying to quit, the penthouse calls. And this is the final vignette in the whole movie. It's called The Man from Hollywood. And I don't know if you remember the old Alfred Hitchcock Presents shows. Yeah. Okay. This is based on the one where the guy had all the success and he had uh, nothing but faith in his Zippo lighter. And he believes that he can light it 10 times in a row. Okay. And if not, they're going to cut his thumb off. I don't know if you remember that episode of, of Alfred yeah. Hitchcock Presents. Anyway, uh, the penthouse is occupied by director Chester Rush, who is played by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, they request a block of wood, three nails, a ball of twine, a bucket of ice, a donut, a club sandwich, and a hatchet. So he has to go through and gather all these things up. He goes up to the penthouse. And that's when they explain to him what they're going to do. Okay, uh, he, Chester said that he can light his Zippo lighter ten times in a row, and he tries to leave, but Chester entices him. He'll pay an extra hundred dollars and a further nine hundred dollars to act as referee and cut off the guy's finger if it if it happens. <laughs> so the funny part about this is he's lighting it and he's lighting it and going straight through. Perfect, perfect. The other thing is Bruce Willis is in this part of it as well. And as we, we were talking the other night, Bruce Willis is not credited in this movie at all because he didn't take a paycheck for it. Yeah. And he was threatened with being sued by the Screen Actors Guild if he took if he didn't take a paycheck. So he is uncredited in this movie. So anyway, they're lighting it, they're lighting it, they're lighting it. Get to nine times in a row and it lights every time. So they get to the last one and... Um, well, he lights it, and just as he lights it, somebody opens a door to the terrace, and the wind comes through and blows it out. So, I mean, it barely lit, and all you don't even see it. All you hear is you, you see the lighter go, the door open, the wind blow it out, and then you just hear chop, and Ted, Ted the bellhop grabs his money and walks out the door. <laughs> And now they've got to put the, they, they say, we're going to put it on ice, take you to the hospital, and that's kind of where the movie ends. Is them putting this finger on ice, taking him to the hospital and to get it reattached. So Four Rooms is a great movie. It's it's just quirky and it's funny. And if you like, well, I guess if you like dark humor. Yeah. You have to really enjoy dark humor for this one. But it is. And there's a lot of people in it, just like with New Year's Eve. There's a lot of people in Four Rooms. So if you've never seen it before, it's kind of a tough find. And if you want to watch it, you're probably going to have to pay like three ninety nine for it to rent it. Yeah. Because I own it, but I couldn't find it anywhere streaming. So seek it out if you want to watch it. It's a great movie. Uh, New Year's Eve, you said you just watched it the other night as well? Yeah, I rewatched it again. Was it? Uh, do you own it or was it streaming? Uh, you. They have it. It's on HBO Max. Oh, there you go. So it's on Max. You can find both of them. Give them a watch. Enjoy it because... 
a lot of fun movies. And just be safe out there and have a good New Year's Eve. Yeah. Right? Happy New Year. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk about our top movies of the year. Did we agree on anything? Stick around and find out. All right, imbeciles. Everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. All right, so we've reached that point in the year with uh, 2024 getting ready to start. we got to talk about the movies that we've seen this year and some that were our favorites and some that were not so good. And I think we all know what's going to fall on the not so good list, right? It's going to be on the naughty list. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I, what we've done is I keep kind of a what I call a scorecard of all the movies that we've seen. And um, the ones that we really enjoyed, and I think maybe the easiest thing to do is just start at the beginning and work our way down. Uh, the first one up, we both gave Dungeons & Dragons four out of five. Yeah, it was, it was a good movie. And it, it surprised me how good it yeah. was. It was funny, um, a little long, but... It was the other thing that a lot of people, you know, I, I've seen, in fact, he went down as probably the, I don't know if you'd call him the worst or the best villain of 2023 but Hugh Grant's character in in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. He was fabulous in that movie. He really was and I, I enjoyed that one. Uh that one was was a pretty good movie. Um Evil Dead Rise neither of us liked. No, not at all. This one we both gave two and a half buckets out of 5 and I think the biggest complaint that we had and I I'm not that way by any stretch of the imagination too much blood. Well, for me, it was just the story just didn't make. It was it was just a random evil story that there was really you know it kind of left it open at the end. But other than that, there's really no direction it was going. Well, it had to leave it open at the end. Yeah. That's the way those movies work. So it was a no for both of us on Evil Dead Rise. Both of us really liked Guardians of the Galaxy three yep. four out of five. Yeah. I I liked it. It was a fun movie. Yeah, it, was it was a lot it was of a fun. Good little wrap up for Peter Quill. Yep. Um, the one that I, uh, going back and looking at it, we both gave Little Mermaid four and a half buckets of popcorn. It was a good movie. It really was. And the thing that I liked about it is it didn't, I mean, there were changes made. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't just a remake. No. And I, I think the reason that for me, I don't know about you, the reason it got four and a half out of five for me is I, I just don't like Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, neither do I. I just have a problem with her. I, we talked about that in a review. Yeah, I just, I just don't. Okay, so that was a good one. Um, let's see here. <laughs> do you want to talk about the Flash? <laughs> it's it's your favorite movie. <laughs> Go ahead. No, and I was just talking with somebody about the Flash the other day, and and you know the thing about the Flash, and I think the reason that it was so poorly accepted is if you're going to give me a movie, and if you're going to tout that this movie is about Flashpoint, then give me a Flashpoint movie. The storyline is what I think lost a lot of people that went to this movie. I'm pretty sure it was the whole running forward to go backwards. When the Okay. When the, <laughs> when the best part of the movie happens in the last 60 seconds, and I'm talking about when George Clooney shows up at Bruce, as Bruce Wayne, yeah. You know you got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know you got a problem with the movie. Um, let's see here. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Four and a half. You gave it four. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it except for the ending. Yeah, the ending was kind of hokey. 
Yeah. I think they could have ended it better or at least differently. And I think it would have played out the same. Yeah. So that one was a good one. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Barbie. I gave it three and a half. You gave it four. I. It was okay. But I'm the not. Number one movie of the year. I'm not a. I'm not female. I never played with Barbies. And I don't have that connection. And I think that's what was tapped into on that movie. I think that's why it made it the number one movie of the year. Okay. I don't know what your thoughts about it were, but that's kind of how I felt. Um, one of your favorite movies of the year, The Meg 2. <laughs> oh. The book was better oh, than the movie, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I gave it two and a half. You gave it two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a lot It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Are you sure? Yeah. It was definitely no oath. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Or Flash. <laughs> we'll get there. We got to talk about The Nun 2. Uh, I gave it two and a half, and you gave it one. I just thought the story was weird. The this, coolest thing about it was the goat. I, I was going to say the weirdest part about that was the goat man. Yeah, that was probably the, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was what it was. Right. Um, a Haunting in Venice. I gave four. You gave three and a half out of five. I just watched this movie again probably about a month ago, and it's it, I like it. I thought it was really good, but I also liked the other two. I liked, you know, Murder on the Orient Express and uh, Death, Death on the Nile. Yeah. I liked both of them, so that one was a good one. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. This was a highly touted movie all year long. Everybody was like, go see this one. Go see this one. I thought it was good. I gave it four and a half. You gave it four. Yeah. Um, but it just seems like there were certain people. I mean, and that's the problem that you run into when you have a lot of different people in the movie. They they made the big deal out of it being Brendan Fraser's first movie since his Oscar win for The Whale. Uh, I think his character was really wasted in it. Yeah, he, he wasn't really into that much. No, it wa- he wasn't. And it's a great story. It's a true story. It's a story that needed to be told. Yeah. Um, another one that was that way as well, and we liked kind of, we, we had to break it down. It was um, uh, Sound of Freedom. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, as a movie, it wasn't that great. But as a public service announcement, it was fabulous. Yep. And I noticed that that's on Amazon Prime now, so if you want to watch that one, you can. Uh, another one that we were pretty close on together, Napoleon. Yeah, that was a really good one. I thought it was a great movie. I gave it four and a half. You gave it five. And the thing about Napoleon, and we talked about that in the main review, was it kind of paints him in a different light. Yeah. It really does. You know, you you hear about this this uh, tyrannical person that wanted to take over everything, and I took really away from the movie itself that it was just a guy that loved his country and was very proud of his country. And so uh, that's kind of what I took from that. Um, the Oath, I gave it two. You gave it zero buckets of popcorn. Do we even need to get into it anymore? No. No, we're good? Except for that poster. Let's never talk you about that You love that, that poster, movie. man. I hate you so much. Um, and probably the last movie of the year that we saw that I really enjoyed and was, ha- was you know, kind of uh, caught off guard by was Wonka. Yeah. Wonka, Wonka was, was a, a good great one. movie. I gave that four and a half. You gave it four. But I thought it was a fabulous movie. In fact, when we were doing the review of Migration, some lady asked me about, she asked us about Wonka, and I told her, I says, you know, I said, it is it is a musical, it really is, but they're not forced. Yeah. You know, the, the songs kind of just fit in perfectly with what's going on in the movie. Well, it, like, like I said in the review, it's like the original Wonka movie. It's a movie that has musical scenes in it. Yes. That's, a, that's good. That's good. All right. So our top 
movies of the year. Yep. I picked some, Dave picked some, and we both agreed on one, but we'll start with the other two each first. You go ahead, All right, Dave. my first one, and I, it's on a lot of people's lists, and I made a comment last week that I may, may end up regretting, but one of my favorite films of the year was Oppenheimer. It was a good one. It was a great it was a movie. A little too long. Little too long, but great performances. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan, how can you go wrong? And I we we talked about the fact that this has got uh, probably a a director nomination for Nolan, I would yes. say. Film definitely. Uh Killian Murphy definitely for actor. Yep. And I think that Emily Blunt could even sneak in and get a best supporting actress. It's possible. Possible. Okay. And I will stand. This is the hill I'm going to die on. If (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. loses the Best Supporting Actor Oscar, I'm not even saying nomination, because I think he's going to get nominated for it. But if he loses to Ryan Gosling's Ken from Barbie, (laughs) I will lose my mind. Oh, you heard it here, folks. Because I just watched Barbie again, and while he was really good in it, and I'm, I I say that very tongue-in-cheek, but Ryan Gosling was pretty good in Barbie. I'm not going to take that away from him. But that is probably next to Chaplin. Chaplin was great, and he was nominated for Chaplin. Yeah. But that's probably his greatest performance on film. Seriously, he was that good in it. Yeah, he he was. He was really good in that. All right, you're up. What do you got? All right, so my first movie is The Pope's Exorcist. I know. It's weird, right? Ryan picked a scary movie. He did. It really, Honestly, it wasn't really that scary. It was more of a like a thriller type of movie that had scary parts in it. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was uh, directed by uh, Julius Avery. You know, it's got Russell Crowe in it. The big Russell Crowe. Uh, Daniel Zavato's in it. Uh, Francisco Nero plays the Pope. And uh, Peter, I can't even say his last name, DeSolis Farano, played the main the main child who's possessed. I'm at a pope. I'm at a pope. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, overall, this, you know, um, the story about a family that moves into a new house um, and they discover downstairs there's this room that had, um, uh, it was, it, there was something uh, like an evil was locked in there or whatever. And so it gets out and it possesses the, uh, the child, the kid. Um, and they call everybody to come help, but nothing's working. So uh, they, they send Russell Crowe's character who um, plays uh, father Gabriel, which is actually uh, this movie is based off of a book. It's supposedly, you know, based on true events. Uh, and he's got a few other books, so you go check them out, Dave. The books are good. You'll have to you'll have to make audio tapes for that's me a, because I a, can't read. That's a line for the movie. The yeah. books are good. The books are good. You should read the book. <laughs> you should read the book. Yeah. But um, he ends up going there, and he ends up um, killing the demon. Um, overall, you know, this is a really good movie. Um, the cinematography was amazing in it. Um, there's not a whole lot more I can say about it because the acting and everything was just amazing. Well, and the other thing about it, yeah, it's, it, it was based on a true story. Yes. And so, I and I've said it before on this show, if you give me a movie that's even, I don't care if it's loosely based in history, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And I'm going to love every minute of it. Yeah, and... There, and this, there's, there's more books, and I think they're they're going to make more movies. Yeah, and this doesn't even harkens it harkens back to the Spanish Inquisition. 
Yes. And that's what every, it has to do with that whole Spanish Inquisition. And this was, this was one of the torturing places of the Catholic Church during yes, the Spanish yes. Inquisition. And that's where this all comes out. And yeah, Russell Crowe is awesome in this movie. <laughs> he really is. It's, it's one of those roles that you just wanted to see him play because the guy is honestly, yes, he's a priest, but let's be honest. He's like the maverick priest. Yeah. He's on the fringe. Yeah. He's on the fringe. So yeah, I, I, I Probably would say that was one of my favorites too. I really enjoyed that movie. In fact, um, it was. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, if I, I remember so. correctly. And and we just watched it two or three months ago again. Yeah, great movie, great movie. All right, my next movie, and this one's out there as well. I believe it's on Peacock or Hulu. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie really caught me off guard because I went into this movie not thinking I was going to like this one. I really, I just, you know, I'm not a big Mario guy anyway. I never played Mario growing up as a kid, so I didn't have that connection. Yeah. Oh, man, it sounds like I had a boring life. I didn't play with Barbies, and I didn't play Mario. But anyway. What did you do? Right? Apparently you read books. G.I. Joe. Nerd. I know. <laughs> um, but it really did. It caught me off guard. It was a lot of fun. Jack Black is fabulous in this movie. Oh, yes. Uh, you've got Jack Page Black. You've got Chris Page. Pratt. Uh, Anya Taylor-Johnson is in this as Princess Peach. Yep. And it is. It's a fun movie, once again. And probably one of my favorite movies based on a video game. Yeah, I had my concerns when they announced, uh, you know, Chris Pratt as Mario. Mm-hmm. He actually did a good job. Yeah, and like I said, it was a great movie. And I think that's well, the reason that I put it on my list, really, is because I, I was shocked and I liked it a lot better than I thought I was going to. So there you go. Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay, your next one. All right, so my second movie that I really enjoyed was Elemental, uh, the Disney uh, Pixar film. Uh, this was directed by Peter Schoen. It stars Leah Lewis. I'm going to slaughter his name, Mahadu Ethi. Yeah, sorry if, yeah, sorry about that. But basically, um, you know, this is about two different elements, fire and water. They're not supposed to coexist together. Uh, because, you know, water puts out fire, fire evaporates water. Um, but, you know, they have a chance meeting because um, um, they, she lives in Firetown and the pipes, they, they turn off all the water because um, water's bad for fire. But uh, the pipes start breaking and the dam that holds the water back is broken. And somehow uh, uh, Wade gets sucked into the pipes and pops out at her house and basically he's giving her all these uh, citations that's basically going to shut down her family business. But they work, you know, they uh, work, work out a deal and basically, you know, it's a love story. Opposites attract basically literally opposites attract fire water. And so it's just their story of uh, helping each other out. And at the end, um, you know, it's, it's a heart, it's a heart, you know, heartwarming story where, you know, he basically sacrifices himself to save her. And then he's he's still alive because of butterflies, <laughs> right? It, it was a good. It was, it a, was a very good movie. It really was, and it yeah, love conquers all, and you know you can work through anything. And I I enjoyed this one too. Uh, probably one of my favorite in recent memory from Disney Pixar. I am looking forward to, however, Inside Out two. Yes, uh, the Inside Out was probably one of my favorites. But then, no, this was a good movie, a good family film. Sit down and, and watch the whole thing and. Yeah, it just kind of tells you, hey, it's okay. If yep. you're from opposite sides of the tracks, things work out. Yep, and you can find this movie on Disney+. Plus. Disney+. Plus. Ching! 
<laughs> All right. So now it is time for our favorite movie yep. of the year. And for, for both of us. Drum roll, please. Uh, this was the only one that we gave five out of five to together. Yes. Uh, that There were other movies that we came close, but this one here, uh, and I liked it. I really did. And it's the creator. This was a great movie. And we talked about when we did the review on this one, the fact that every facet of this movie was fantastic. I yes. felt. Yes. You know, it comes out now that not a lot of people felt the same way about this movie. Well, a lot of people are wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> That's right. I have a microphone and you don't. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it was just John David Washington was in this and Denzel Washington's kid. He plays a soldier who is sent to take out a creator uh, the, of the artificial leader, intelligence. Yeah, the leader of the artificial intelligence movement or that's people. Because what happens, what it starts out as, and I love how it starts out with the little, uh, looks like an old PSA from the 50s, <laughs> talking about how they built all these robots and gave them AI to do the menial tasks that we as humans don't want to do anymore. And then one day, the artificial intelligence in these robots becomes sentient and decides, hey, you know what? We don't have to do this anymore. We're getting tired of doing this. So they take over. And it just goes through. But as I said, everything from the acting, the script, the cinematography in this one, the music in this one. Yeah, the special effects. I mean, it, it was I felt like it was unbelievable. Uh, Rain Johnson directed this one. Rogue yep. One. Uh, which is another fabulous movie yes. if you've never seen it. But I, I really I really felt like this was going to be like the movie to go see. And I, I don't know how you felt about it, but after, I, after we saw it, we were like, wow. But, yeah, it's coming out that not a lot of people like this movie. Yeah, and, I, you know, honestly, I don't understand that. It, it had a great story. Um, the acting in it was amazing, like you said, the CGI. And I thought uh, Allison Jenny did a really great job yeah. as basically the main villain. The main villain. Yeah. yeah. So it was a great movie. All of these are great movies. And the great thing about The Creator, you can watch it now on, I believe it's on Peacock or Hulu as well. It's out there right now. I believe it's on Hulu. So give that a watch as well. All right. When we talk to you again, it'll be 2024. Uh-oh. We'll talk to you next year. See you next year. All right. So go out, see a movie, get out into the movie theaters, or find any of these streaming on local streaming sites and, you know, Netflix and all of those things. But just go go to your theaters, though. Go see yeah. a movie. Enjoy that experience and get out and enjoy it. Most of these movies that we've been talking about are meant to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. They really are. All right, Ryan, we'll talk to you next year. Yep. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you soon. Dave and Ryan's movie review.